Many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. All right, here's the rules. Don't try to be like me, okay? I'm an idiot. And the ball is in the air. I'm thinking, oh, no. It was only two shots each, so it wasn't a big deal. I'm not having a glass of wine. I'm having six. It's called a tasting, and it's classy. Tita, what's up, man? Yippee-ki-yay, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Birdies for Everyone, the official show of putting circles on the scorecard. I'm your host, Taylor Williams, a.k.a. T-Dub. Thank y'all for joining me again. I want to go ahead and throw out a few apologies for my end. So, about two weeks ago, we announced on the 73rd hole that I was going to be doing this project, Birdies for Everyone, and had a few people reach out to me and say, hey, I can't find the show. Where's it at? And went and did a little more digging and realized... There was quite a bit of user error on my end on getting the show uploaded. Not necessarily the episode as much as it was getting approved on podcast platforms. So, should be getting that mostly done. Not on every single platform that I would want yet, but definitely out there. And thank everyone that's listened so far. It's truly an honor to be able to get to spread what knowledge I do have onto the world. And thank y'all for listening once again. But today is a very, very, very special episode for me. I love golf pools. I love picking golfers each week. I love, it just makes the tournaments that much more exciting. I still watch them anyway, but now it adds just an extra layer to the dynamic of the game. And one of my favorite things to do every single year is a one and done pool. For anyone who hasn't played one and done pools, here, here's how it works. You pick essentially a golfer each week. Sometimes you pick two for the bigger tournaments, AKA majors, world golf championships, that kind of thing. And once you pick a player, can't use them again the rest of the year. The depth, So the one and done name, it fits the claim on that end. So when you think about that, you say, well, you know, I would love to use Colin Morikawa, John Rahm in every tournament. Well, can't do that. you got to find one tournament, one tournament to use all these great players. So that is what this show is going to be today. We're going to get it to where for y'all who are in these one and done pools, and not even just one and done pools. If you're just in, in a regular pool, you can pick golfers. Or I know there's a lot of pools where you can only pick golfers, say, four times a year or four times a segment period, something like that. So there's definitely going to be some value here, even if it's not just one and done pool. Going to be able to figure out who are some of the best golfers at the best courses. So we're going to call this the one and done special. I'm going to give all the insight that I have on how I pick players. Oh, I will say some caveats out there. Last year in our big one and done pool, it was about 120-something people. I finished fourth out of everyone. And I'll go and dive into it a little bit later in the story, but I should have won pool. Because one of my later tips, which is to, you know, you have your picks, and then you've got to stick to who you pick where you want to pick them. And long story short, I used Patrick Cantlay a little earlier than I wanted to. I was going to save him for the playoffs, and had I had done that, Probably would have won all the money. But at the end of the day, you know, you live and you learn. And these are lessons that I will be able to share onto it. As long as with some of my other insights as to how I was able to pick some of the other players that I did and get them to win. Had John Rahm at the U.S. Open. Uh, had Garrick Higo at the, uh, uh, was it uh, Congaree or whatever tournament that was. So that was a very nice, uh, nice unexpected win there. And so I'm just going to dive into it. Here's the different things that I use and that I like to use in my one and done pools. And hopefully... They'll be able to help you all out as well. So, number one thing is to make sure that you know what format your pool has. I know that sounds pretty obvious, but at the end of the day, you have to know what you're playing for. So, for example, 
the pool that I'm in, the, the big one that I like to play, we have just the season-long pool, which is, you know, you have how much ever your pot is and then divide it up. The winner gets so much up until roughly about the top 10%, maybe top 8% uh, at the end of the season get paid. Then you have different things like segments where, for example, there's a West Coast swing there's um, what else? Major major championship swing. There's a World Golf Championship and a Players Championship thing. And I think there's also uh, FedEx playoffs and maybe opposite field events, um, something along those lines. So you know, there's a lot of different uh, options here. So and then here here's one called near major. I have no idea what that is. So you know, once again, I'm having to learn my own rules here. I got to figure out exactly what every single uh, aspect of the pool is because at the end of the day. Just a few dollars here or there could be the difference in winning and finishing 10th. Uh, a putt in a tournament. Here's a great example. I'm doing this show on Monday, January 17th, and a tournament last night, the Sony Open. Hideki Matsuyama, Russell Henley went into a playoff. Well, my my father was the only person in our pool to have Russell Henley picked. That was going to be a very, very, very awesome get if he was able to win. Unfortunately, Russell Henley was not did not play very good on the back nine. Went into a playoff with Hideki. Hit one of the best shots I've ever seen in my entire life. So then Hideki ends up winning the tournament. And so you look at it at the end of the at the end of the tournament, there were three people in our pool who had Hideki compared to to my dad who was the only one who had Russell Henley. Hideki made one point three five million with his win. Russell uh, and then Russell Henley made eight hundred and seventeen thousand. That is the difference in about five hundred thousand dollars, and so at the end of the, at the end of the year, that's going to make a huge difference. I mean, I think I finished fourth ahead of fifth by like ten thousand dollars or something last year, or something really, really egregiously close. And so I kind of felt bad for the guy that finished uh, one spot behind me. But at the same time, I'll have another story uh, about as to how I was on the losing end of being close. Uh, like that so you know also going into the different formats here i know there's there's some pools that that go off of not exactly just the money you make but it's money divided by where your world ranking is so that that's another thing that you need to know so for example the pool i'm in you only just pick a, a golfer and then you say okay well if they win win this tournament like a decky did 1.35 million sounds pretty good there's no divisor or anything there i know pools where like for example since a ranked higher in the world than russell henley had russell henley won uh compared to Hideki, there would have been more points distributed there just because henley isn't as ranked as high of a player as Hideki as it gives i guess the the theory of the pool is to give you more credibility for when you pick a uh, a really off the wall player and don't just go with the grain and pick uh pick the winner or pick the person that everyone else thinks is going to win so you know that's another layer to it and also you know going into some of the other pools that i know of i know that I think it was PJTour.com that has it. Maybe it's somewhere different now where you pick four players each week. Not really any stipulations on it. But there's, I believe, three or four segments within the year. And you can only use the player like three or four times. So, I, I mean, that's, that's definitely a lot more than a one and done pool. You're looking at picking a player roughly 12 times by that logic. Maybe even more depending on the format. So, while it's not necessarily... 
those can be different in the aspect, but at the same time, knowing when to pick players and where guys play good at and what events they traditionally do well in. And also, one thing, too, that doesn't get noticed a lot is what time of year that people play good. I mean, there's certain people that play good in the summer. There's people that play good in the fall at the end of the year. There's people that play good at the start of the year in January like we're seeing now. So that is also another aspect to look into. Whenever you're whenever you're thinking about which where to use your big names, the biggest thing you have to look at is purse size, especially with the format that we're talking about here. So... Like, for example, look down, and one of the things that was a real big talking point over the offseason is that the PGA Tour purses were increasing, which is fabulous. It's honestly about time that that happened because I know there's been a lot of talks about uh, the Saudi Tour and people leaving away from there. So the PGA Tour is trying to do a better job at distributing some funds out there. So, But there was, while every tournament got a boost, there was a few tournaments that got really, really big boosts. So... The tournaments we're looking at here, the the player-held invitational, so that would include the Genesis Open, which is at Riviera in about a, a little less than a month. Uh, you have uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill. Then you have uh, the Memorial at Muirfield Village Jacks Tournament. Those three tournaments got a, a good purse size. I think they went up from $10.5 million to now they're, they're $12 million, essentially, is the purse. So those tournaments are going to be worth a little bit more. Um, some other tournaments that went up as well, or the, the World Golf Championships, I believe they went up to the same purse. They were $10.5 uh, to start the, or $10.5 or $11 million. Uh, purses last year now they're up up to 12 so there's some more money being distributed in those events uh, another place that that money was distributed very highly was uh the fedex playoffs so i believe last year looking at i think it was the same 10.5 million for uh for the fedex purses so that I, i'm not including the the church championship i'm talking about the uh the first tournament which was the uh the northern trust i believe and then uh, the bmw championship this year uh, the FedEx St. Jude, which was the uh, World Golf Championship that they just moved to Memphis, that'll actually be the very first uh, FedEx event this year, not the uh, the Northern Trust at Liberty National and some of those other courses they flipped around. So TBC Southwind will host the very first um, uh, FedEx playoff event this year. So those tournaments went up from, I believe, $10.5 million as well to $15 million. So So when you listen there, I think about $15 million compared to $12 million, you're looking at about... I would say the twelve million's probably for the winner, just a little over two million dollars, and the fifteen million, which was what the tur- or I'm sorry, the players' championship was last year. You're looking at about two point seven million. That's what JT won. So it's extremely, extremely important to know the purse sizes of events and how much money is going to be allocated. One thing that's hard to prognosticate is that the major championship pools or purses. Don't get released at the start of the year like the PJ Tour events do. We're not going to find out what the Masters purse is until maybe a week before it gets played, something along that, those lines, maybe even after the tournament's played. Uh, the the rare exception is like, for example, uh, you've seen on the women's uh, the women's side with the Women's U.S. Open this year. A few years ago, it was the same with the, uh, the Men's U.S. Open when they increased their purses. You'll hear about that a little bit uh, ahead in advance if they make a, a huge jump. And so there hasn't been any, at least to my knowledge, and I, uh, of looking as of January 17th, hasn't been any announcement on what the purses of the major championships will be this year. Based off of last year, looking at the major championship purses, uh, the Masters, I believe, uh, got it noted here, was $11.5 million. So that's roughly just a little over $2 million uh, for the winner. Then you've got uh, uh, 
PJ Championship was at twelve million. Where, um, gosh, who won the freaking PJ Championship? Uh, Phil, of course. Gosh dang, I was uh, thinking about Southern so much that I forgot that uh, Kiowa was happening last year. I, I just can't wait for the PJ Championship. It's gonna be such a great time. And so, what used to be one of the biggest purses, or what used to be the biggest purse, the U.S. Open, is only twelve point five million given out. I know only twelve point five million, but. Whenever you look at now the Players' Championship, which is now the biggest tournament, I, I allotted to it earlier that uh, $15 million was what gave out for um, to about $2.7 million. This year, the, ter- the Players' Championship has a purse of $20 million. I'm not misspeaking. $20 million. You're looking at, based off, based off of those numbers, the Players' Championship almost has twice as big of a purse as all the major championships, the World Golf Championships, and has more than double the purse of events such as uh, the Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow, uh, Charles Schwab Championship at, at Colonial. You've got uh, RBC Canadian Open just rattling through some random really good tournaments. Uh, Farmers Insurance at Torrey in a couple weeks only has a purse of $8.4 million. And so I I cannot emphasize this enough. that, that I would say that is probably the biggest part in, in pools like this is knowing which tournaments – give the most fun. So, for example, unless I just have an absolute gut feeling that he's going to win the tournament, which I actually do. I want to get into that. I'll get into that in some, where I think some, I'll use some of the big dogs. You know, why would I use, why would I use Rom or Morikawa at, um, say, the Scottish Open, or the, uh, which is now PJ Tour event this year, or the Valspar, a purse of $7.8 million, when I can use people at uh, for a purse that's worth twenty million or fifteen million, because by that logic, let's just say Rom, let's just say whoever I pick, big name wins smaller tournament, they're going to get one point five million, one point six million, one point seven million, whatever, something like that. Where if you pick the winner of the the Players Championship, you're looking at three point seven million dollar difference. Or you're looking at essentially a $2 million difference there, almost d- more than double what you had got based off of the same finish by winning. The problem with that is the Players' Championship is held at TPC Sawgrass every year. Most, uh, almost everyone who watches golf knows that. It is one of the most unpredictable courses year in, year out that people play. Usually it's, you know, you have horses for courses, guys that just love places. Obviously Augusta is on that list, and I'll get into later in the show some horses for courses that I really like at other places. But whenever you look at, it can be rather hard to prognosticate a long time in advance who's going to play good at that golf course. A lot of times it comes down to form. There's a couple of players who play good at, at TBC Sawgrass. I'll get into them in just a second. I keep saying I'm going to keep getting into stuff, so I'm just going to dive into it. I've kind of given my points as to why I think the purse size is is so important. So I'm going to get in, into a few other, other, other topics I want to talk about. Course history. Such a big, pivotal importance on, on who plays good where. Whenever you, you look at, all you have to do is go back and just look at the last three or five years if you don't want to do that much work. I obviously, I use analytics site like Data Golf that'll go back all the way for 20-something years or whatever on how who plays good where. And so it's such a fabulous tool in knowing the exact strokes gain that people have at other courses. And so depending on how much research you really want to do, there's obviously some great outlets to say you know who, who plays good at certain courses. And so definitely look into that and know where... Like, for example, we always talk about the 73rd hole. Sung J.M., who I end up using at Kapalua, had a fairly decent finish. He loves Bermuda. Loves Bermuda grass. There is no reason to not pick Sung J.M. in a course with Bermuda greens. 
But you have to figure out what courses have Bermuda greens. Generally, it's going to be the courses that are in warm weather. For example, Florida is, is most known for that. In Hawaii, they had it as well. So that's why uh, why you saw him play so well at Century. Didn't do very well this last week at the Sony Open. Luckily, I didn't pick him there. But my pick that I had, Mark Leishman, was um, not not particularly that great either. But going back to the purse size, Hideki ended up winning $1.35 million, like I mentioned Purse size is only $7.5 million. So, you know, we're talking about events coming down. The playoff events literally have double the amount of purse here. And that's not including the Tour Championship, which I believe this year our pool is switching it because last few years it had been, what was 20% of what the FedEx, of whatever the player got at the Tour Championship. So, for example, Cantley won last year $15 million, as we know him and Rom were fighting it out for. 20% of that is $3 million. This year, I think we dropped it to 15%, but one thing that I didn't mention earlier, the Tour Championship winner now gets $18 million as opposed to the $15 million. So, we're looking at a $3 million increase, but we went from 20% to 15%. So, essentially what that does is that puts our number down to about $2.7 million for the winner. So, even though the purse of the event increased, or, or the yes, the purse increased and what the winner got increased, obviously, whenever the purse increases, duh, but... 2.7 million now because it went down from 15 from 20% to 15%. So once again, just kind of knowing uh, knowing what uh, what the format is and how uh, essentially where, where the big events are. And so you know I've kind of talked about course history. One thing to to note as well is what tournaments have a, a different venue this year. For example, um, obviously the major championships are going to change except for the, the Masters every single year. So it's it's good to know you know exactly where those are playing. Obviously, I brought the PJ Championship earlier. That's being played at Southern Hills in Tulsa, one, uh, my home state of Oklahoma, for anyone listening outside of Oklahoma. And I definitely want to appreciate any of y'all that are because uh, that's one of the great things I love about podcasts now is that you can just listen to anything you want all around the world. And that is... It's just such a great time to live in. It's just one of those things that people, you know, don't can kind of lose track of and not uh, not take as much appreciation for it as they can. And so, you know, kind of got off on a little tangent there, but getting into some other things. PJ Championship Southern Hills, like I said, U.S. Open is at uh, the Country Club of Brookline and uh, a Country Club in Brookline, which was where uh, 1999 Ryder Cup was held at. So, you know, that's where a lot of uh, the majority of people in the U.S. or even, unfortunately Europeans on that aspect will remember that course. And then the Open Championship St. Andrews, the home of golf, going to be awesome. Love that tournament. Want nothing more than for Tiger to play at the home of golf. Uh, obviously, we'd love him to play at Augusta, but St. Andrews, I think, is a definitely more realistic goal. Unfortunately, some other people don't think so. And so, I want to get into some other courses that, uh, or some other venues that are changing courses this year, just because I want to let, because a lot of people can look at event history. Last year was a great example at the AT&T Byron Nelson. They had played at uh, Trinity Forest for the last how many ever years, which is really not that good a golf course. And then they switched to TBC Craig Ranch, and it was the first year there. So, you, so it would have been fairly redundant to look at you know who plays well at that event when the course changes. The only thing that you can really use for that aspect is, like I mentioned earlier, the time of year when people play. So if someone just, they, in that aspect, they wouldn't just have to play good at the, the Byron Nelson. They'd have to play at good, other good events, which are around in, uh, I believe, May is when that tournament is. Yes, May 12th through the 15th this year, so... Definitely something to look at on that aspect. Another tournament that's changing courses is uh, the Wells Fargo. I mentioned earlier that that's at Quill Hollow. This year it's going to be at TBC Palm, uh, 
uh, Potomac, yeah, TBC Potomac. So I just had to make sure I read that right. And so the reason for that is that uh, Quail Hollow is hosting the President's Cup this year, which will be uh, essentially at the end of uh, middle of September, I believe, which is around the same time the Ryder Cup was last year. So that would be a reason, one thing to look out for there. And so scrolling through some other courses I'm seeing here, I'm not seeing any off the top of the list that have changed venues. Um, but never. Um, oh, here's another one right here. The BMW Championship is being played at uh, Wilmington Country Club in uh, in Delaware. Not going to be at uh, Caves Valley like it was last year, where we had the uh, the Cantlay Bryson playoff, one of the best uh, tournaments I can remember watching. So then here's another tournament, uh, the Scottish Open. That's not going to be at a different golf course, but this is the first year that that is a a tour event. Usually it just been a, a European tour event, but we've seen the old uh, the buddy buddy with the European tour and the PGA tours uh, trying to actually make money. For for both aspect, which I don't, I argued about this on the 73rd hole. I don't understand why the other tours can't do that with the Saudi tour. I understand there's uh, morals and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, morals don't matter when people are making money, and people that don't want to hear that or just don't live in the world that we do. So, you know, scrolling down, I think that that's really kind of highlights the, the main courses. I'm sure there's going to be maybe one or two things that, that I miss here. So I want anyone to, uh, I'll give out my number as well. I gave it on the first show, 405-278-1180. So if you have any questions or, or th- as I said, hey, you you really messed saying, saying something up. Because a lot of times as well, I'll, I'll just start speaking and I'll, I'll say a number and I'm actually thinking 30 million and I say 300 million or something like that. So if I do anything like that, let me know that I was an idiot and uh, I'll do my best to make sure that, uh, that I can remember to do that. So, Getting into some other things before I want to get into the specifics of of tournaments and players. Back to what I mentioned at the start of the show about um, you know sticking to some players that you want to use and knowing where to use them at. Because when you're dealing with the course of, of a one and done pool like this, you're going from the start of January to essentially the middle of August. So that's eight and a half months that you have to burn players where you shouldn't to jump the gun and say, oh, I feel like I need to chase and I need to get a win here so then you'll run out uh, two top five players at, at uh, the Masters when for example they may not be playing that good and you may have used some other players at the start of the year so you feel like that you have to catch up and that you have to keep going where like I mentioned just a second ago and it's going to be even more so this year compared to the last, last few years the purses of the the, the playoff events have, have increased so much that those first two events the, uh, the St. Jude and the BMW Championship are going to have such a pivotal point in um, in the whoever wins your pool. One of the biggest reasons for that is you pick two players. So if you have a first and second at those events, you're going to jump up so high it's not even funny. And, I mean, you could be middle, like if there's 120 people in our, like for in our pool, you'd be 60th, middle of the pack going into the playoffs. And if you pick, if you pick two winners, you're probably going to move up into the top 15. Barring that's... Not just someone that everyone picks, which usually doesn't happen because towards the end of the year, you're going to get uh, a lot more parity because people are just going to use use up so many different guys. And then by you get to the end of the year, there's not going to be, you know, people aren't going to have the same golfer and not 80 out of 120 people aren't going to have the same uh, top 10 player because they're all going to be used by that time. So there's, there's going to be like 10 people pick a guy. 10 people pick another guy, 10 people pick another guy. You're not going to see uh, 30 or 40 burgers, I don't think, in uh, towards the end of the year. The, the exceptions there, for example, someone like like last year, Kevin Nall, he was able to finish third at, at Eastlake. And so I don't think that many people picked him, but at the same time, he would be a guy that 
I feel like could could have gathered a lot of picks because he played good at the end of the year, was getting form, wasn't a guy that you would have just run to the button and said, I'm picking Kevin Na at this tournament at, at a major, especially a World Golf Championship. If you used him at the Sony Open last year, you, you would be looking really good. So, And he was playing, like I mentioned, playing good towards the end of the year. So that those are the exceptions where you see you know, a lot of people may pick a guy at the end of the year just because there's only so many names to be picked. And at the Church Championship, only 30 people make it. You might be limited with options on who you have left if you don't uh, prognosticate the right way. But we'll kind of get into into more of that as well. Here's a here's an example of what I mean by a lot of people pick someone at the end. Here's my uh, my dark horror story from the one and done pool. So it was 2018 at at East Lake. Tiger, that's the year Tiger won. For anyone that that doesn't remember, uh, and for a Tiger fan. It's like the most waited for moment of all time besides him winning another major. It was it was the greatest thing of all time. And I was, I think we paid like 14 or 15 places that year. And I was in 10th or 7th or so, somewhere along those lines going in, into the week. I was way up there. It was almost like I didn't have, I shouldn't have had a fear of losing. And so I get done and I picked, I think I picked Bryson and Bubba Watson or someone like that. And... They both finished like 25th and 28th. It was just ridiculously how bad they played. And a guy who a lot of people picked, sort of like Kevin Nall mentioned earlier, was Billy Horschel. Well, Billy Horschel was used by, I don't know, 20-something people in the pool because he hadn't been playing that good before. Played good in the two playoff events leading up to that. And um, like I said, a lot of people had him, so that, that boosts some people up if he played good. Well, going into Sunday, for people who don't remember the exact events of how Tiger won, Tiger was in the last group with um, with Rory McIlroy, and Justin Rose was in the second to last group, and it was essentially a three horse race on who was going to win the tournament to start that day, and there was really no one else really in the ballpark of thinking that someone's going to finish top three other than those guys. Well, Rory and Jay Rose, I mean, they shit the bed so bad on that Sunday. It was, I mean, it was egregious. You could tell that Rosie was wanting that uh, that ten. I think it was ten million at the time back then. So was really counting that cash and needed to get up and down eighteen to do it because he was shooting like five over before that. Well, out of nowhere, you have old gentleman Billy Horschel goes out there and shoots like sixty six or something, and moves up to solo second. Well. If, like I said, I think we played 14 or 15 places. How many ever it was, I finished 15th or 16th. I finished one spot out by about $50,000. And had Billy Horschel finished, not even not even third or fourth, if he had finished tied second, tied second with any other player, I would have been in the money. Probably 12th or 13th place, whatever. I would have been two or three spots into making the money. But because so many people had him at the end of the year, and that solo second compared to a tied second or third or whatever, bumped him up so many places that it pushed me out. And so that is kind of kind of my dark story. And so it was, you know, it's obviously t- watching Tiger win was such, was such a highlight. It's hard to take away from that. But it was pretty deflating to watch Billy Horschel just make every single putt on, on that Sunday at Eastlake to just, you know, watch him throw my money in the toilet and flush it as fast as he could. So... That's kind of my, my horror story. And then my my last tip I want to say to everyone before I get into some of the more specific tournaments. It is a long, 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 long season. I mean long season. Don't don't do your first four or five events and then say, oh, well, I'm done picking. Or say, i got to throw out big names. I've, I've got to just use someone. I've got to catch up. 
because I promise you, I think it was the first year I ever did it. Ever did the one in the pool? I was number one. Number one. I won the I won the West Coast Swing, uh, the very first segment of the year, and I was number one in the pool for like the first half of the year, and then I finished like thirtieth. I mean, I just fell off the, the map so bad. It's not even funny. So that is so easily done in this thing where you use because in that instance I used a lot of the big players early when it first started out it worked out and then once I used the bigger players and they didn't do well that's when you that's when you just completely fall off and so I felt like you had to just keep pushing big name after big name then you get towards the end of the year and you say I don't have any big names left and that's I've been there it's not a very fun place to be because especially when you're trying to chase and you don't have anyone left it's not any fun and also too it's not any fun to if you're at the top, if you don't have anyone else to use, it's um, not very advantageous either because people are going to catch you. So just remember that it's a long season. That's why I say to categorize which events have the best best purses. That way you can know to keep someone there and to save them for that tournament. Don't do what I did with Cantley. I ran him out the British Open about two months before the FedEx Cup. So because I said, you know what, I just think I got a good feeling he's going to play good here, even though I said forever I was going to use him at, at Eastlake and so I think I looked up and saw that he had, didn't play very well at Eastlake over his career so that's why I didn't change it but when you're number one in the FedEx Cup going into the event don't have to play that damn good uh, to get the 15 million as we saw from from Cantley so I'm going to get into some of the some of the events here on the purse sizes and then I will um, get into um, some specific players as to who I want to use at what places so um, before I get into the tournaments, I do want to say there are 48 picks total in our pool. 48. So, by that logic, and that's when, when I mentioned format earlier, knowing which format is, figure out how many people you have to pick throughout the whole year. No matter what pool you're doing. Figure out how many players you have to use, and that way you can categorize and say, okay, well, for example, this next tournament, the American Express, is the next tournament coming up. Purse is $7.6 million. About a hundred thousand more than, than the Sony Open last week, so we know that the winner's going to get roughly what Hideki did at one point three five million. And I also know from the past that the American Express is a birdie fest. It is who gets hot with the with the putts and from about seven to twenty feet or whatever, and fifteen feet, whatever, what twenty five feet, whatever number you want to phrase on that. It's going to be whoever makes the most mid range putts. And by that logic, I know, well. I'm not going to use a top five player in the world at this tournament because the odds of him winning are not that high as opposed to what I think that because when good players go to tougher golf courses, it, it, it makes the fields that much smaller. Like Kepka notoriously said it a few years ago when he's talking about majors. He says, everyone's like, well, how do you play so good in majors? And it's like, well, it just narrows the field so much. There's so many players that, that can't win it when, like, for example, when you look at the Masters, like the amateurs, again, the tournament are going to win. That's never going to happen. PJ Championship, club pros aren't going to win. Um, you know, uh, U.S. Open, British uh, Open Championship, the guys that, that local and sectional qualify aren't going to win. It's just not going to happen. So you're going to have roughly the big names are going to win the big tournaments. That's what happens all the time. And while you do have big names win smaller tournaments, unless there's, and like I mentioned earlier, if you have a gut feeling about someone, you got to run with the gut feeling. You, you don't ever want to go against your gut because whenever you, th my old buddy Colby Powell says it best, think long, think wrong. And I, I think it's a great, a great testament because if you're thinking about between three golfers and your gut tells you to pick one and you look at all kinds of analytics and you say, oh, well, I like this guy a little better. 
if it doesn't work, you're gonna you're gonna kick yourself in the ass. That's what happens every time. At least it did with me. That's what I did with Cantley. So at the end of the day, if you go with your gut and it doesn't work out, you're gonna be able to feel a lot better with yourself than if you you thought long and then the guy that you had a gut feeling about was going to end up winning the tournament and you didn't pick him. That's uh, not very fun at all when that happens. Or for example, I mentioned whenever you say people earlier, so when. When I was going to use Cantley in the playoffs, and he wins at uh, the BMW Championship and the Tour Championship, wasn't that fun to watch because I said, "Well, I should have used him at one of these tournaments, and I didn't do it." So, just just another aspect of of the puzzle there. So, I'm going to read off some of the purse sizes uh, coming up, and so that way you can know kind of where the bigger uh, bigger name where you should use the bigger names at some of these tournaments. So. Um, like we already mentioned earlier, the, the Century Tournament champions around six point. I'm sorry, eight point two million was the purse. Sony Open was uh, seven point five million. Um, coming up, American Express seven point six. Uh, Farmers Insurance eight point four. AT and T Pebble Beach uh, seven eight point seven, which is actually fairly big. If you hear my alarm going off there, um, I was actually supposed to get up about this time, but I was an early riser, and so I am ready. On the ball, ready to talk some golf today. We'll be doing going on to the 73rd hole later on, so make sure to tune into that. That's always such a great time to talk with uh, talk with the idiots, as I like to call them, because uh, we just have such a good time, and I love those guys more than anything. So reading off some more purses here. Waste Management, 8.2. Genesis, we mentioned, went, bumped up to 12. Honda Classic is 8 million. Puerto Rico, 3.7. That's uh, going to be an opposite field event. Uh, opposite field events, guys, you just, in my theory, you want to just use the guy that's most picked. Unless you just have a gut about it, and and I'm not, I'm just not gonna say anymore if you have a gut about it because you just gotta know that at the end of the day. If you have a gut about gut feeling about someone, use them and, and don't run away with it. So I'll use the same theory with the opposite field events that I will here early in the season. And I forgot to mention this earlier, but I think this is an important tip. I think it's advantageous to pick the player who mo- who most other people will have, and my theory behind that is that especially opposite field events, it's so hard to pick a winner because the reason it's opposite field events is because there's another bigger tournament going on. So there's the better players are going to be in that field. You're not going to see very often a player who's a world beater who plays an opposite field event because they're supposed to be in the World Golf Championship or the major championship that's going on that week. So I think that in that case, and early in the year, like I mentioned, if a lot of people have, let's just say 30 people have the winner and you don't have them, you're going to fall behind 30 people. I mean, that's that's not that hard of math to do. But if, for example, there's a guy that, that wins, like Hideki won yesterday, there was three people in our pool that had him. Okay, so I, moved, I lost ground, to, I lost big ground to three people. I mean, whoop de doo Three is a lot better than 30. And at the start of the year, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it again. If you have a gut about someone, use them. But I, I think that especially if you're debating between two people and if you don't have a real strong feeling about someone, just go with the person that's most picked. That way, if if things do go the way that people are prognosticating it to happen, excuse me, then you're not going to lose uh, that much ground uh, to other people. So want to get into some other events here. On the Palmer, twelve million, uh, Players Championship, twenty million. That's going to be the cream de la core. Uh, of the tournaments and why it's going to be so hard for that tournament like i mentioned it's there's no horses for courses there there's no one that you just say oh well i love it's like there's no freddie couples at augusta or no tiger at augusta who just plays good every single year and can win at any point because 
it's and a lot of peat die courses like this are just quirky and they they don't necessarily reward your great shots and they don't necessarily fully penalize your bad shots. It can honestly be the opposite sometimes. Valspar Championship at Innisbrook, seven point eight. World Golf Championship match plays twelve million purse. This is a tournament that I want to get into. I have I have never picked the world the match play well ever. I don't think I've ever picked a guy that's gone to the top eight or top, not maybe top eight but not top four. And you want to talk about wild card tournament? That is an absolute wild card. So if my theory there's same thing, just try to go with who, who's most picked, especially if especially if you don't have a gut feeling because I think I think Billy Horse will speak of the devil. Won, won that match play last year, and, and my dad had him last year, and that was uh, one of the things that helped propel him to his uh, second-place finish. So um, just another example there. That That's just a uh, such a wild-card tournament. Don't – I would be – don't don't use a John Rahm or a Morikawa at the, at the match play. Too, too many Ram things can happen. You can shoot eight under and lose, or you can shoot eight over and win. That's one of the beauties of match play, but at the same time, when you're trying to pick a winner, it makes that prognostication that much harder. Um, Puchikana is another opposite field event, 3.7. If you hear if you hear 3.7 million, just no opposite field event. Um, Valero, the week before the Masters, 8.6. Uh, Masters was 11.5 last year. Like I said, with the majors, we can see an oh, – you're not going to see a decrease in the purse. You you could see an increase, but we're not going to – we're not going to know what that is right now. But rule of thumb, the best players play good at the majors. So just just try to use great players there. That's, that's pretty simple. RBC Heritage at Harbortown, 8 million. Um, the Zurich, this is another term I want to talk about. 8.3 million is the purse, but that's going to be, the winning is going to be split between two people because that's a team event. And one one beautiful thing about the Zurich is that it is the only tournament that you can technically, at least in our pool, you can technically use a player twice. Because the theory is is that, like this, this is what I did a few years ago. didn't really work out for me, but it sounded good. Uh, Kepka was playing with his brother Chase. So in that aspect, you pick Chase Kepka, and then you technically have Kepka twice because then you can save him for a major because you don't pick Kepka when he's playing with his brother. You pick his brother, and that way you get both of them. So whenever you're trying to figure out who to use at that tournament, just think in the back of your mind, I get to use one player twice in the one and done pool. Who am I going to use twice? And, you know, like, for example, Ron played with uh, Ryan Palmer. I think JT, or not JT, uh, Spieth played with uh, Ryan Palmer as well. So, you know, those are some guys that you say, okay, well, Ryan Palmer's not the biggest name out there. So I could use him there. And then you get Spieth or Ron uh, twice in a year. Sounds pretty good to me. Um, New tournament this year, Mexico Championship, 7.3. Wells Fargo, like I mentioned, changed courses. That's a 9 million purse. Uh, Byron Nelson 9.1 PG Championship was 12 last year I, I, I like I said I think the majors will increase a little bit especially since every other PJ tournament uh, changed as well but we'll, we'll wait to see that uh, Charles Schwab Colonial 8.4 the Memorial is 12 um, RBC Canadian 8.7 uh, US Open 12.5 used to be the biggest uh, purse out there not the case anymore Travis Championship 8.3 John Deere 7.1 uh, the Barbasol 3.7, another opposite field. That's actually opposite of the Scottish Open this year. So that is going to be the only tournament that's opposite field of not a uh, World Golf Championship or a major championship. Uh, British Open or Open Championship, 12 million. Barracuda, another opposite field event, same time as the Open, 3.7. 3M Open, 7.5. Rocket Mortgage, 8.4. Wyndham, 7.3. 
FedEx St. Jude 15 million, uh, BMW 15 million, and uh, Tour Championship the winner gets 18 million. So that's not uh, not necessarily a full purse, but uh, in our pool that's definitely the way you gotta look at. It. So I know I kind of rattled through those fairly quick. Just make sure to kind of go back and pause or, or rewind if if you want to rehear any of them. Um, I got my information just off of the PJ Tour tournament schedule and uh, the, the major purses. I just I I just punched in Google and and it came up. So that's how I got my information there. So. Now I'm going to get into the nitty gritty here because this is what most people are wanting. Well, okay, you're spitting off all this information. That's great. You know, I want, I need to know where to use people because, like we mentioned earlier, guys, you got 48 picks, so you have definitely have some options here on who you want to use and where. So I'm going to go through some of the picks that I have, and I'll also kind of read off um, just some guys that play good um, there as well, just in case, um, you know, you might have a different feeling about someone and uh, you want to use them somewhere else. So um, get into uh, the best players in the world. So just going off the official world golf rankings here, um, John Rob, number one player in the world. Where are you going to use him at? Based off of everything I said, you want to either use him for, you can save him for the FedEx Cup, use him at the Players' Championship, the, the biggest tournament of the year. But guys, I'm going to use him at the Memorial. A, pur- a purse of $12 million, they get an increase there, so I'll get a little bit more money there. But I think Rom's got to have a statement to say. He, he was leading by six shots going into the final round, and they didn't let him play because of COVID. I mean, he had a, Dadagall said he had a 92% chance or something like that. I think it was 99.2% chance of winning that tournament. I think Rom's going to come out and make a statement. He obviously he also loves him uh, some Mirfield Village. I want to get the exact uh, exact strokes gained here. So in 13 rounds at uh, at there, according to Data Golf, gaining 3.4 strokes on the field. That's just egregiously awesome. So I will be using uh, John Rom at the Memorial, number one player in the world. Going down, Colin Morikawa, number two player in the world. I'm using Morikawa at the PJ Championship. I think he fits Southern Hills to an absolute T. And also one of the things, too, when you're dealing with Oklahoma weather in May, you're probably going to get some wind, probably going to get some cold. you got to be able to flush the ball in, in, a, in a stiff wind because if, if it's warm and there's a wind, it's not going to be as – you still got to hit the ball great. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. But when it's a cold wind because the wind's thicker, you have to be that much better at ball striking. And so I think that Morikawa sets up perfectly in that aspect and – I would I got more cows a top ten at the PJ Championship. I think that might be one of my locks of the year for it to happen. So I I absolutely love that pick and I'm gonna roll with that for quite some time until. And one thing too I want to say here, guys, is that you gotta be somewhat adaptable as the year goes on because players get hurt. You're not gonna see it in major championships, but players don't play tournaments that they usually play. Um, you know, for example, Rom's gonna play the Memorial, but let's just say it was. You know, they moved it around the schedule, whatever you have it, and so it didn't work out for them. Or, you know, players may be having kids around that time. And so, I mean, you, or they might have family obligations. There's all kinds of things you got to be adaptive to. So there's been a lot of times where I'll try to prognosticate and pick someone in advance, and then, you know, two months goes by, and it's like, oh, well, that person's not playing the tournament this year. So it could throw you off, but you have to be able to adapt. So there's a couple of, a couple of the bigger names here that I don't necessarily know where to use, but uh, I'll go ahead and say it. Someone like Dustin Johnson, with him, you have to be so so open to adaptation because he's one of those guys where he if he when he gets on hot streaks he's unbeatable. He's going to win his next four tournaments he plays in, and there's going to be times where he misses four cuts in a row. So to be able to try to look into the future and say, well, I definitely want to use him here, him there, 
if if you got a feeling, go with it. Like I've said, but I I it's it's hard. Some of the main courses they plays well. He always plays well. He's played well at St Andrews. Uh, he plays well at the Masters. Obviously, won there in two, uh, 2020, and he plays well at uh, TBC Southwind, uh, which is now the the first playoff event. Like I mentioned, so. Those are kind of going to be the three places that that I have him kind of kind of loaded up for, I would say, and ready to fire him out. But I'm gonna have to see some really good form, or you know, I have those tournaments listed because, like for example, I'll get into it in just a second. But I already have my two guys I want to use for the PJ Championship. I mentioned more cow. The other one I was just going to say it now is Victor Hovland, being from Oklahoma State, and like I mentioned earlier, just having to be able to hit the ball so well around that golf course with that weather. I think he's another great pick. And those are just two guys that when I looked at it, I just said, you know, that's that gut feeling I was talking about earlier of and what I've been talking about all show. And so I just have such a good feeling about those guys. I'm going to use them. So I can't really have DJ locked and loaded for PJ Championship as much as I want because I already have those other two guys uh, essentially in, in my books ready to throw them out. And so I think that that's something you have to look into, you know, have guys loaded up, but also don't go against your strategy already with those. And uh, number four player in the world, Patrick Cantlay. I've got it listed here. I'm going to say him for the playoffs. I, I, I just think that that is – it's that's the time of year that he's shown to play well, not only just at, obviously, the church championship last year, but the first few playoff events he's always played well in. And I, I don't think Cantlay will win a major this year, so I'm not going to run him out there. I'm not going to run him out the players' championship. Um, I'm going to have – I want to make sure I have really good, steady players at the end of the year – for those playoff events so that if I am, if you are way up in the pool, you're not going to get caught uh, by as many people. Or if you're behind, you have some uh, firing power to be able to catch up on, on the guys you're chasing. So I definitely think that, that is an element to stay there. And I'm going to stick to my guns this year. I'm not using Cantlay before the playoffs. Very few exceptions go in there, but it's going to take something stronger than what I saw last year. Next guy on the list, Justin Thomas. I I said this on, on the 73rd Hole podcast. I think JT wins two majors this year. So by that aspect, I have to figure out, well, I already think it's going to be the Masters and the U.S. Open. So then by that logic, we don't know what the purse size will be this year, but over the last few years, the U.S. Open has been the bigger purse than the Masters. So I am going to use JT at the U.S. Open. And unless there's some news that comes out and says that the Masters has a bigger purse than, than the U.S. Open, then that is then I'm not going to use him until then. Victor Hovland next on the list. I've already mentioned use him at Southern. Uh, Xander Schauffele. Gotta save him for Eastlake. I'm the other option there. He's always plays well in the U.S. Open. You could use him at Brookline, but whenever you get to the Church Championship at the end of the year at Eastlake, you have there's so much uncertainty going on because you don't know who's going to be there, who's not. Did someone get hurt in the year? Did someone get hurt in the middle of the year? So then they finished 35th in the points and couldn't make it. There's so much going on there. And Shoffley is about as surefire of a bet as Eastlake as you can get. He plays so, so damn well at that golf course. Let me get his exact uh, strokes gain there. So in 20 rounds at Eastlake, Shoffley's gained 3.48 strokes on the field. For comparison's sake, uh, Tigers played there 28 times and has gained 3.29. So in eight less rounds, I can say that, but has also gained more strokes than Tiger at Eastlake. So I think I'm going to... Uh, have that one locked and loaded. And that is going to be one that's going to be really damn hard for me to run anywhere else, just from the aspect of Shoffley doesn't win. We talked earlier about how much winning is important. You're going to have playoffs throughout the year that are going to decide who ends up winning, losing, cashing in your pool. And 
when you're talking about someone who doesn't win, it's, it's I mean, especially the Players' Championship, you get a second or third place finish, you're going to get a lot of money, more than winning in a lot of other tournaments. But if winning is so important, whenever you have a guy that you don't necessarily think can win the tournament, it's it's hard to be confident enough to run him out there. Um, now, here's, here's the next thing that I want to point out to y'all. I mentioned earlier that TBC uh, Sawgrass uh, Players' Championship not necessarily known for horses for courses, which is the absolute truth. But there are a few players who traditionally have played well there. So, number eight player in the world, Bryson DeChambeau, I will be using at the Players' Championship. In 13 rounds at that course, he's gained 2.44 strokes on the field. Um, Of everyone who's played more than uh, double-digit rounds, or actually everyone who's played more than five rounds of that course, according to the analytics, that's by far the most strokes gained on that course out of anyone. And notice I mentioned there, it's 2.44. Talking someone like Shoffle, gaining 3.5 or whatever it was at Eastlake, goes to show that even though you play well at the course, you can't really gain as much strokes on everyone because there's so much damn parity that goes on. So, definitely, I think with the Players' Championship, I'm going to be running out Bryson, but also I'm going to have a spot saved there for if there's a player who's just playing really good, who's not necessarily in a list that I've already got or a major championship or something I already have picked, I will be uh, definitely be saving a spot for that, and I'll be using Bryson at uh, at the at TPC Scott, uh, Sawgrass. Excuse me. Rory McIlroy I'll be using at uh, at at St. Andrews, I think he's going to win the Open Championship. Cam Smith, um, I have him. I'm either going to use him at the Masters with uh, Jordan Spieth. I'll go ahead and say that one out there. Or I'm going to use him, uh, save him for the playoffs. He plays good at the playoffs. I saved him last year. He actually lost in the playoff to Tony Finau at uh, at the Northern Trust. So had he end up winning that playoff, I actually may have finished higher in the rankings than I did at fourth. So just another example of how, um, how things can go. So that's top 10 players in the world I've listed off there. I'm going to go through and just list off some other um, guys I have in other tournaments I'm going to use. Um, not this next term at the American Express, but um, the Farmers Insurance Open at um, at Torrey Pines. Used them the last three years there. I'm not going to skip it. Tony Finau loves that golf course. He um, And I know there's two different golf courses, but that tournament, he just plays so, so damn well every single year. Finished second last year, and he finished, uh, I think he finished bogey, bogey or something like that. I know he bogeyed 18, so I will definitely be saving him there. Now, here, whenever I talk about adaptation, as I did earlier, Here's an example. Before Hideki ended up winning the tournament yesterday, I had him pinged to use at the Phoenix Open. Always put, always plays well there. The only time he doesn't is when he withdrew from there when he had an injury, which I also picked him that time as well. But with him winning at the Sony Open, I have to ask myself, well, is he going to win again in next event? The thing to look at there too is, you know, is he going to play before that event? And... Based off of the way how he's played in the past, I think he'll play at Tory. So then that'll be a little indicator. One th- I don't like using a guy who won his previous tournament and use them uh, next tournament they play. You never know what what happened in the time off between when they won and when they didn't. In theory, you'd say, "Oh well, they're just playing so damn good. Let's go ahead and run them out, even if they're not going to win, but they'll finish top five or whatever." A lot of times that doesn't happen. They'll just kind of grind through, make the cut, or they'll. Um, Kind of like Cam Smith did this last week at Sony Open. Didn't he make the cut after playing after shooting PJ Tour record of 34 under par, and then goes out to an easier golf course in theory, and um, maybe maybe not quote unquote easier. It's definitely um, it wasn't easier to par, but I think it's an easier golf course to play. And so 
just another aspect of of the pie there. Um, Genesis Open at Riviera. I will be using uh, TG Taylor Gooch. Plays so phenomenally well at, at Riviera on on our podcast. He mentioned how I don't I can't remember if he said it was his favorite course on tour or if it was um, just one of them. So I definitely I love TG at uh, at Riviera and I'm I'm gonna run with that. I'm trying to get it loaded here on his game but for some reason Riviera is not uh, not listed so I gotta go to a different tab here to get uh, get the get the answers that I seek um but yeah I will definitely like I mentioned guys I'll be using him at the time it's also a Tigers event his friend Max Homa won there last year um not necessarily um anything of extreme note there but uh just think those are kind of some interesting. so in 12 rounds, there's gained 1.96. It took me forever to look this up. Kind of frustrating uh, that it did. But uh, definitely, that's just other elements as to why I really like TG. At Riviere, so scroll through here. I already said Bryson at the Players. Um, I'm going to be using Spieth at the Masters. I mean, you were talking about a horse for a course. That man loves him some Augusta National. Let me get in and see if I can find exact stats. I'm not doing very well at, fig- at getting my numbers um, this morning, but uh, I'm I'm getting there slowly but surely. Uh, Jordan Speed, 2.9 strokes in 28 rounds at Augusta. Talk about like I mentioned earlier, horse for course. I'll be using him and saving him, and um, unless there's just something that completely shit hits the fan, I won't be changing that. Um, already mentioned PJ Championship, uh, Morikawa, Hovland, using them. Already mentioned John Rahm at the Memorial. That's that kind of goes into that gut feeling um, that I was talking about. U.S. Open, the next one I have here listed. I already mentioned uh, JT for that tournament. Um, next thing, I made this mistake last year because I was, I believe I was second or third um, going into um, the segments pool in one of our segments, which was the World Golf Championships and the Players Championship because I had uh, Justin Thomas at the Players when he won last year. And so I went with guys who the last uh, event in that segment was uh, the FedEx St. Jude Classic, WGC. So I was going to use the best players that I had available and save them for that tournament so I could potentially win the segment. And also it had a big purse anyway. Well, I used DJ and Kepka. Well, Kepka played not very good that tournament. And then at the end of that, I kicked myself and I said, why in the hell did I go through my one-and-done season and not use Brooks Kepka in a major? And after that, I learned my lesson. So I'll go ahead and read it off here. In 26 rounds at uh, at the U.S. Open, Kepka has gained uh, 3.1 strokes on the field. That is second to only uh, Xander Schauffele, who in uh, 16 rounds has gained 3.49. So that is a reason there, too. If you want to use Schauffele at the U.S. Open, feel free to. But I will go ahead and be saving him um, for Eastlake. So reading off some other uh, one and these these obviously this isn't every tournament. These are just the guys that I have pinged to use at a certain course. Um, Paul Casey at the Travelers Championship, uh, TBC River Highlands. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that he is a surefire bet at that course every single time. Um, let me go ahead and get my numbers here. Um, Travis, gosh dang it. You know what throws me off, guys, is that whenever I'm looking through events here, because I, I, I go from course history, I went to event history. Paul Casey, I'll go ahead and say 2.07 strokes gained in 28 rounds there. Second to only DJ, uh, Roy McIlroy, Bryson, uh, some of the other names there that are listed, but always plays well at that course. This is what throws me off. So, like, for example, the American Express this next week, it's not under A for American Express. It's under T for the. So I'm having to go through and figure out what tournaments are the. What tournaments start with the. So here's the ones that, that apparently start with the, if you're ever going to look it up. And here's another thing that makes it hard. It goes by capitalization. So there's 
three tournaments that are capital uh, V and the T-H-E is all capitalized, which puts it more in alphabetical order than the other ones. So the CJ Cup, the Northern Trust, the Players Championship, those are all capitalized. And then you also got here the Tour Championship, T-O-U-R, is not before T-H-E, but because it's capitalized, it is ahead of this list. So there's just a random rant. Hopefully I can kind of point out as to why I'm having a little bit of difficulty here finding some of the courses or the tournaments. Um, Arnie mentioned be using Rory at, at St. Andrews. I think he is sure fine. But one thing to think about the Open Championship, if you're debating between two people, and this is actually the same for the uh, WGC as well, not with tee times, but with the side of the bracket, it's fairly advantageous to try to pick someone who's on the opposite end of the, um, the uh, tee times. The only reason you wouldn't do that, in my opinion, is if you just have guys that you're really strong on or if you know for a major, major fact that one morning or afternoon is going to be so bad for the groups that it's going to be so advantageous for the other people. Because when you get put all your eggs in a basket, like let's just say you don't really know what the weather's going to be like and you pick two people in the same group at the Open Championship or you pick two people in the same group at uh, at the WGC match play. <coughs> If if you get weather come in for that for, for that open championship, you could have your picks just eliminated like that. And for the match play, if you pick someone who's gonna either they could be in the same group or if they're gonna meet in the sweet sixteen or whatever, you slightly limit your options there. And that's not that shouldn't be a surefire thing to say, oh well I, I have to stick by that. That's a rule of thumb, can't break it. I will say that if you're debating between people, I think that that's something to look at there. Um, next, the next few I have listed here for definitely surefire. Wyndham Championship, I'll be using Webb Simpson. That's at Sedgefield. Always plays phenomenal at that at that golf course. There's really no reason that I wouldn't use him. Webb plays good at other courses, but in 40, get this guys, 48 rounds at uh, at Sedgefield, gaining 2.18 strokes on the field. That is. That is damn impressive. So I will be uh, I will be running him out at that course. I'll be using Daniel Berger at um, at uh, the FedEx St. Jude Classic, the very first playoff event. He loves um, loves him TBC Southwind. Let me go ahead and get uh, get the analytics here pulled up. Once again, WGC's throwing me off. So oh yep, this is one of those where it, it for some reason Berger's not listed. On this, I have to go to a different tab, and I'm really not going to do that right now. Just know that he gains like almost three strokes on the field at that course. I remember that. So um, then I mentioned the last one I've listed, Shoffley at uh, at the Church Championship. I will be using. So those are just some some of my highlights there, guys. Some other tournaments that I, I have listed here, I may use guys. Um, Byron Nelson uh, is kind of a hard one to prognosticate because they've only had one year course history there. A um, couple guys I think may fit well there. Harris English, Wills Outdoors, a couple guys that played good there last year I think could do it again um, at TBC Craig Ranch. Um, AT&T Pebble Beach coming up a couple weeks. Um, Kevin Stroman always plays really well there. And Jason Day always plays really well there too. Those are just two guys that I'm not exactly sure what the form if I'll be running them out, but definitely keep them on your radar. Um, the last one I have here is Bay Hill as far as I got my prognostication. Um, Christian Bezatenhut would be a would be a great name there. I I pick him every week in DraftKings because he just makes the cut every time, and he he's played really well at Bay Hill. I think he'd be a good pick. Um, another guy I've listed here, Scotty Scheffler. He played well at that course. The only time at Bay Hill, the only time that he played there, and so um, Scheffler's thirteenth ranked player in the world. One of those big names that um, that you kind of got to think. Okay, well, 
if he's going to have a breakout season that a lot of people think, where should I use him at? And I think that Bay Hill is a good option there when you talk about talent level compared to uh, purse size. And so uh, Louis Oosthuizen is a, is a player I want to mention here. And here's some play, just a couple other players I have listed where I might use them. I think Louie would be a good pick at St. Andrews. Obviously won there in 2010, and um, in 2015 he um, finished lost in the playoff there, so almost won twice at that golf course. So I think that if he shows any little bit of form, I think he would be a great pick there, and I'm not really sure. Besides maybe the match play at uh, at Austin Country Club, he's played well at. I'm not sure where I would um, run Louie out at just because that back can flare up at any moment, and you just don't know what you're getting. Another guy that I'm, I've been thinking about is um, Abraham Answer. Number currently twenty ranked player in the world. I'm really going to use him at um, at the players, and and I'm, I'm a, I would use him and Bryson the players. I'm not necessarily sure I like that that combination there for the biggest purse out there, but he he's he's really the only other guy who's shown any type of full blown consistency at at Sawgrass. So and with how grave a player he is, it might be advantageous to, to use him there, or you could use him at uh, at TPC Southwind the St Jude um, where he won last year. Uh, definitely think that that would be a decent option, and you know, guys, I I don't also don't really like picking someone who wins or who won there the year before. It's just so hard to go back to back in a tournament. But whenever you're talking about a tournament like that, or when you're thinking of a second guy to pick, because like for example, I have Daniel Berger listed. I think Daniel Berger could win that tournament. I'm not gonna prognosticate who's gonna win eight months out, but I know that I want to make sure that I save a guy for that tournament. And so if you have a guy that you think is gonna win. Then it's you know you got to pick guys that you think will finish high. A great example is the Masters. I think Justin Thomas is going to win the Masters, but I also think he's going to win the U.S. Open. So I, I can't pick my winner of the Masters because I think that the U.S. Open is going to have a bigger purse. So I got to pick guys that I think will finish high. And so Spieth obviously fits that category. So I'm kind of running out of breath here, guys. I got to save uh, got to save some wind for uh, the 73rd hole. Be doing that here in just a few minutes. So, I want to thank all you guys uh, for listening. Please, like I said, let me know 405-278-1180 if I missed anything and um, if I did, I'll try to make sure to get it out on the next show. As you guys have kind of learned, not really not really a schedule going on here, just kind of whenever I feel like getting on, you know, life sometimes comes at you and uh, can't get things out and sometimes like this morning I wouldn't have I would have never thought I was going to do a show at 8 in the morning but I uh, woke up early and so I uh, said why not let's go ahead and knock it out for want to get all my listeners with that great content or hopefully it's great content hopefully y'all like it and so like I said let me give me any feedbacks on what on what y'all think uh, should have said or some other let me know who y'all's picks are going to be for these tournaments I'd like to know uh, what you guys are thinking who's some guys that play well at certain courses that y'all like and uh, like I said just feel free to let me know uh, um, thank y'all for tuning in. Love you guys so much. Uh, God bless y'all. Enjoy the rest of your week. My favorite golf tip of all time. Here it is. When you're on the range or you're just out playing, whatever you want to do, don't, don't do this when you're keeping score, but you're just out hitting balls, whatever. Set up like you're going to normally hit it. Set up just everything normal. Just take the club back to the top and pause. Hold it for about three seconds, then proceed to swing down and hit it. What's going to happen is is that even if you're a great player or a horrible player, you're gonna, you have to be able to time your hands and your body, and your upper body and lower body, everything's moving independently. But you have to sync all that up perfectly. And... 
what happens is whenever you get that club stuck to the top with a little bit of pause, like it's you're gonna want to feel like you're doing Hideki times five thousand. You're gonna feel it. You're gonna be able to feel the club, which I think is one of the most important things in the golf swing. Then, whenever if you just do a normal pace swing, Tiger put it best, and that's actually where I learned this tip. Watching an old uh, old video of uh, Butch Harmon and Tiger talking about some of the changes they worked on, Butch said that he would make Tiger hit this drill thousands of thousands of balls at once just to make sure that he was able to get it down because he's got to be able to sync everything up properly like i said and tiger put it best he said when you do this drill you can't cheat what he means by that is you can't you can't be way underneath the ball and then time it right and then hit it you can't time it with your hands right then hit it straight because if you pause at the top and you're underneath you're going to fat it there's no way around that and if sometimes you can get if you get out in front of it too much and you're not underneath it, you're just going to almost shank it every time because the hosel is going to be coming into the club. Or the ball, I'm sorry. So, my opinion, that's the best best tip out there. When you're out on the range, just hit, take an 8-iron or so, and hit some drivers as well, whatever club you're struggling with, especially with your tempo. And just make a few swings, take it back to the top, pause for three seconds, then make a downswing. And you'll be able to feel. That's the thing about it, too. That's why I love it so much. You can personally feel what your body's doing. If you take it to the top and you feel your arms rush down, you know that you need to use a little bit more lower body. Try to press more into the ground, as a lot of them say on TV. Use the ground for leverage. If you're a really good player, more than likely you're going to feel your lower body going down your arms almost hanging back because you're trying to create that much lag and torque. Well, what happens is you stay behind it, but the club dips underneath, and then you're just going to fat it, like I said earlier. So really make sure that you are working on that tempo from the top. Just pause it. And then swing down, and then you'll be able to know exactly what your ball's doing. After a few tips of that, swings of that, you will know essentially what your body's doing. You'll be able to time it all perfectly from there.